Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Now it's time for Inside the Clubhouse, a show dedicated to the Chicago baseball fan, featuring the best Chicago baseball conversation as well as the big MLB topics, along with the biggest names, greatest guests, and listener interaction. Starring Score Baseball Insider Bruce Levine and Matt Spiegel. It all starts right here, right now, on Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com, Chicago's sports station. Welcome into Inside the Clubhouse on a Saturday morning. The Cubs are home. The Cubs win. This is just kind of how it rolls. And oh my goodness, what a weird and bizarre and fun White Sox-Phillies game deep into the night. Good morning, Bruce Levine. Good morning, Matt Spiegel. Inside the Clubhouse, you're right. Every Saturday from 9 until 11, Matt and I talk baseball with you 52 weeks out of the year. And Chicago baseball, as Matt said... The team is home, so that team is here. The other 25 were left on the road, I think, somewhere, right? Uh, they're, not, uh, they're getting prepared for the road. We'll, we'll talk the splits between the Cubs, uh, home and road record a lot. We'll talk about Ben Zobris, the return here, trading deadline come and went. Uh, we will also talk some White Sox and their bizarre game and their bizarre second half since the All-Star game. All with you at 312-644-6767. Text Matt at 6711. He'll read all this worthy on the air. And by the way, Matt, Inside the Clubhouse, brought to you by Max and Benny's in Northbrook, your summer home for the best food in Chicagoland, the checklist, the best deli, no doubt, the best full-service restaurant, without question, the best bakery, you bet. Max and Benny's has full dinners with all the trimmings from 4 to 9 p.m., seven days a week. That includes skirt steak, roast beef, chicken, the freshest fish in the city. Max and Benny's has private dining areas for all of your party and business meeting needs, 10 to 150. Catering is king at Max and Benny's. Ask for John at MaxandBenny's.com. 30 minutes from downtown, 30 minutes from the Wisconsin border. Max and Benny's, where the pastrami sandwiches are piled as high as a Chicago skyscraper. And Cubs return home, Matt, as you said and the home team uh, always wins in Chicago on the north side. It's, uh, it's quite something. And uh, they're talking about it. We're talking about it. People are writing about it and guessing at it and trying to figure out why. And we can certainly do that. Um, but, boy, it's just it's fun to watch them when they're here. They seem to have a confidence, Bruce, that when they score, they can score some more. And if they are behind, that they can find a way to score and get back in the game. Everybody has just a little bit more confidence in that. You know, those splits that we've talked about just keep reinforcing that, don't they? It's, it's a self-perpetuating cycle, it seems. Nobody uh, in the organization can figure out what the difference is and why there is so much disparity between the play at home and on the road where you have – a road record of 21 and 33 among the worst in baseball. That's 21 and 33. 
And at home, 37 and 18, the second best in the National League. Dodgers are 41 and 14 at home. Uh, the Cubs are 9 and 2 in their last 11 at home with 53 games in the season to go. Pretty much split down the middle. I think it's uh, 26 at home and 27 on the road right now. So you have a disparity here that they, they have to change. And they believe they will, but we've heard that all year. Um, the reality is, is that. Uh, their offense just has not fired uh, on the road at all. The pitching uh, is almost up a point on ERA on the road as well for some inexplicable reason. And uh, the additions of Castellanos, Kemp, Phelps, Holland, and Hap up from the minor leagues, uh, these should be some things that uh, hopefully will make a difference. I, I think we've already seen, if you looked at the lineup yesterday, uh, a lineup that uh, is more in line with what you actually want uh, with the new Jason Hayward at the top and now Castellanos up there to uh, to hit also um, yeah. before, before the two big guys. You've had the four guys producing at a pretty high level for most of the year. Bryant had the slow start in a bit of a slump now, uh, but overall Bryant, Baez, Contreras, and Rizzo have been good versions of themselves for most of the year. Now you add in Hayward, who's having his best offensive year as a Cub. Schwarber, who is the best of the others in terms of Almora, Hap, you know, Russell's not even here, Descalso, etc. Schwarber is the most deserving of regular time because every once in a while he'll run into two of them in the same game and give you those bops. And then you add the two new guys. Tony Womack is an 82% career contact guy. So Tony just, Kemp. Uh, Tony Camp, excuse me. Tony Womack. Tony Womack, we'd love to see him back there. <laughs> Tony Camp is a, uh, a, a, you know, an 82% career contact guy. And Castellanos, as you say, has had terrific at-bats. Could have had three hits yesterday. So that's, that's eight. There's your eight that you actually feel pretty good well, about. And eight that, you know, if they line up now, and now that Joe has, you know, Stopped experimenting with the, the top of the order for now because Hayward stepped in recently and has done well. You back everybody else down and yep. and you see Zobra, you, you see Schwarber. I got Zobris on the brain. You see Schwarber and you see Contreras where they need to be and in a very important area of five six rotating around depending on lefty righty. Uh, in the order in RBI positions. Absolutely. Two very productive guys that are down there uh, not being asked to do something other than driving the runs that they should. That lineup is lengthened, and it's happened all around baseball. Certain teams feeling really good about themselves. You see, the Indians put up seven last night with Yasiel Puig now in the cleanup spot and Fran Mil Reyes in there, and they're all talking as a collective. Boy, you look at our lineup, and it feels like we're something now because it goes deeper. When you go that deep, you feel better. Give Epstein and Hoyer uh, a lot of credit for adding the quote-unquote little pieces that Epstein talked about a few weeks ago, Matt, that he would try to add. Uh, Castellanos might be more than a little piece. He might be looked back on as a big piece, even though it's only a two-month rental, mm-hmm. to, uh, to help this offense out and to add some energy. He made a, he made a, a, a play on the bases yesterday where um, the third baseman was off in a shift. He was on second. He tried to go to third. He was tagged out, but it was a very close play. Um, you know, he should not have gone, but he added that energy. Uh, everybody on the bench applauded him, high-fived him. He, he brought some, he's bringing some juice to the team on the field, you know, and, and he's bringing some 
new attitude with him as well. Yeah, and these moves, as they often can, it really brings some juice to the clubhouse in terms of, oh, wait, they do believe in us. Okay, they do believe in us. Oh, they went out and got all these pieces. I, I love that the at-bats overall, Bruce, are getting redistributed to guys that deserve them. And Albert Almora, you are a wonderful defensive center fielder. See you in the eighth inning when in games where you have the lead. See you in the eighth and ninth and center. Ian Happ, uh, it seems like you've worked on stuff, gotten a little bit better. You can draw a walk. He had a nice hit, uh, a clutch hit in St. Louis. But you'll be a pinch hitter uh, off the bench and an occasional defensive outfielder. Right. You know, it, It's time. Big boy time is what Madden called it. Well, and, and, but, it, it but it's what depth should be all about. Absolutely. In other words, using the strengths of your pay, players to win baseball games. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's exactly what Joe has now. He's got the bench he desires. There's been an awful lot of guys that just didn't have years that ended up like Zobris away from the team for uh, three months. You have guys like Descalso that never got it going at all. You've had uh, misfires in the bullpen, certainly injuries in the bullpen. So, uh, you know, from the time that um, Epstein and Hoyer rolled up their sleeves on June 1st and, and brought in Kimbrell, Till now, yeah. you know they've made seven, you know, additions to this team, and uh, you know I, I just, without having very much money at all, because it's, they're still under constraints, I give them a lot of credit. Obviously, the Zobris money helped, uh, or else they wouldn't have been able to bring Kimbrel in. No matter what you hear. Uh, that helped them get Kimbrel. By the way, I wouldn't mind having the speed of Tony Womack, who stole 72 bases in 1999 for the Diamondbacks. Wouldn't mind having that on the team. But he is now 49 years old. Yeah, he probably still runs better than some of those guys. <laughs> it's probably true. <laughs> Sadly, Almora might be one. All right, you mentioned the home and the road stuff. You read the splits. Let, let's hear some of their explanations as we delve in. This was Theo Epstein on the score on Friday with Mully and Hanley. And, uh, M- Mully and Hoff. Mully and Hoff, thank you. Uh, and uh, Mike Mulligan asks Theo about what's happening on the road. Do you have any understanding of what's going awry? I mean, I, not really, honestly. I mean, we're, we're, we're obviously trying to figure out, but if we knew what it was, we would have fixed it. Right. I, I will say that it hasn't been, it hasn't been a hallmark of, of this group. I mean, we've played well on the road most years in this window. But this year it's been, honestly, we're, we're embarrassed by, by the road performance. I mean, if you not having won a road series since May 20th. And to me, you know, more troubling even than that is we've had seven road series against the division, and we're 0-7. So he's the one to point out the road series within the division, 0-7 right. within and the road. And use the word embarrassed. Yep. Uh, we move on to Chris Bryant, who uh, talked uh, to the media before the game yesterday, and he concurs with his boss. I think that's a good word to use. I mean, there's a lot of other words you can think of, but yeah, of course you're embarrassed. You don't want to have a record like the one we have on the road. I mean, especially if you want to be a good playoff team, you don't, you don't want, you just don't want that. So, um, you know, of course we're embarrassed of what we've done, but we can still find a way to turn this thing around and, you know, make everybody happy. So there's Chris Bryant agreeing with Theo Epstein, embarrassed. Javier Baez after the game yesterday, and he was terrific yesterday, both on the bases and at the plate. Give you a classic uh, El Mago full package. Um, But Javi offered a possible explanation. I want to know what you think about it, Bruce. This is Javi after the game on what happens on the road and at home. We just get here and we, we relax, you know, we, we let the game come to us and, you know, with, with the record, we go on the road and we got this 
too much pressure to to win the game, you know, before it's over. And it's not like that. It's same thing with with the with the first place. We, it's, it goes up and down till last two weeks of of September. And you know, a lot of teams pay attention to that, and that's, they don't see it, but it's pressure for them. And you know, I, I, as long as you, you you keep that away, we should be good. Now that makes all the personal sense in the world to me in terms of what Javi's saying. He speaks for himself. Does he speak for anybody else? Well, he does. Uh, you know, he mentioned earlier, you know, uh, after the game, uh, while we were standing there, that uh, uh, the, the group itself gets plenty of support on the road. That, uh, you know, the, the Cubs for years now, I think three, four years, five years in a row now. Number one in uh, road attendance. Road, so the, the Cubs fans we know are everywhere. And he said we get that. So that shouldn't be the, the difference. He said there's just – then he rolls into this soundbite where he talks about how they're relaxed at home, the family's there, you know, it's comfortable. But, again, he does say we should be better, and, and they should be. Again, if you just take away home and road, Matt, it's just an erratic team, okay? Yeah. There's an erratic – now, that doesn't mean – there's not another seven or eight erratic teams in the National League. There are, because you, you have, within five games of, of the wild card, you have, you have seven teams, okay? So you have Washington, the Cubs, Phillies, Milwaukee, San Francisco, um, the Mets. Um, uh, they're all, Arizona, they're all within five games, of the wild card, okay? Number one in the wild card. So uh, Washington and the Cubs are tied. So there is erratic play everywhere because these records are basically all the same. They're all within, you know, four or five games in the standings. So from that perspective, you, there's only two teams that have really separated themselves, and you throw St. Louis in too. Atlanta and the Dodgers are really the, the cream of the crop, and the rest are all fighting it out. See, that's, of course, the underlying real truth here, is that we can spend hours looking around for an exact reason, but you take the 53 games we're talking about, what are they, 21 and 33? Is that what it is? So 50, no. 54 games that we're talking about, and you can find four games, four losses that were the bullpen's fault and three losses that were the offense's fault. You could find two games where you might want to point at Joe Madden. Right. Yeah, there's a million different reasons why they lose each of these games. And the, re- the reality is, get back to what we're talking about, they're just one of all those teams that are just about the same. Mm-hmm. Now, can they separate themselves? Can they be better? Do they have the best starting pitching? Now with Kimbrell hopefully rolling into being dominant guy, he's been a top-step guy so far. Uh, Hamels is back today. They have the strongest and deepest rotation, arguably one through five. With all these things said, through 109 games, that has not proved out. Mm-hmm. They have 53 to prove that they are among the lead with the Dodgers in Atlanta as we move toward the end of the season. You know, I, I think that's absolutely the answer, is that they are erratic, and it just happens that these 54-game sample is what it is. I will give Javi the personal um, understanding of what he's talking about, and as he's talking about that, I find myself thinking of some of those bullpen guys because the pressure of coming in with zero margin for error, and if you are team intensity or you've been thinking about that World Series time is here starting and November comes to March or whatever the hell they said, you know, you're thinking about all that along the way. 
it's understandable that you'd put a little more pressure on yourself on the road, and some guys might not be up to it. Some well, guys are, some guys are not. Look, Epstein and Hoyer were stuck with not being able to complete their bullpen, okay? So they went into the season without a real closer, okay? I mean, Pe- Pedro Strope is a fine pitcher, one of the best relievers in Cub history mm-hmm. uh, as far as con- con- consistency and continuity. He's, he's not a closer, okay? Um, you know, at this point... Uh, before he got hurt, he was not being a setup man because his body just hasn't held up this year. He had three significant leg injuries to his hamstrings from uh, last year on. So from that perspective, upper body pitcher not getting the job done, you know, it, it's it's there for you to watch. Epstein and Hoyer finally got the money so they could go out and uh, get Kimbrel, and that should change the dynamic. But we're basically in the, that bullpen looks more like it's early to mid-May rather than it is uh, August because of the evolution of that bullpen and the changes that have occurred now where you look at it and go, okay, some of those names, uh, you know, important names now uh, weren't even recognizable or there at the beginning of the season. Well, and that's the aggression that needed to happen within that bullpen as they went to figure out these guys. Bruce, it has been incredibly frustrating that some of the problems that have been incredibly obvious since last October have remained the problems until a week ago, until right now. And then finally they've gone out and fixed some of those things. You mentioned the money. They didn't have the money to even offer Kimbrell anything until the Zobrist walk away and Tom Ricketts agreeing to step forward. And then we learned this week they didn't have the money to even make Castellanos happen nope. until five minutes before the deadline when Tom Ricketts gave them had the okay. Walk back into the principal's office one more time, see if there were some uh, extra funds, and uh, they got it. It's it, 50%, according to a bunch of different people, at least 50% of the deals in the, be, in, at the trade deadline didn't even happen until the final hour of the thing. Yeah, right. Some until the final 30 minutes because people didn't know what to make of this deadline. It was weird for a lot of front offices. Everybody had their own idea of what it meant. And then finally they get there and everyone's, oh, I guess we have to make a deal now. And they finally did. Bottom line is with the way that free agencies handled by owners now, uh, the idea that trading your own young people away is something you don't want to do at all. And that, that, there's that hesitation. Only reason teams have done it mostly was about 80% bullpen guys. We have to take a break. We'll come back. We'll talk a little Ben Zobris. We're going to talk to Ian Happ of the Cubs, Tom Hadricourt of the Milwaukee Journal, talk Cubs and, uh, and Brewers. We'll talk to the White Sox, talk about the White Sox as well, some of the things going on with them. 312-644-6767. Text Matt at 670 Yeah, the absolute best baseball highlights of the night came from that White Sox game. It, it's inside the clubhouse. He's Bruce Levine and Matt Spiegel. Dial it up at 312-644-6767 on the score. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We've got our first post-trade deadline Cubs lineup against a left-handed pitcher. 
Bruce Levine. And if anybody's been wondering how that would work out, here comes your man Jason Hayward hitting leadoff again against the lefty. And then it's the same top six as we saw yesterday. Nick Castellanos at the second spot. And then we go Bryant, Rizzo, Baez, Contreras. That's when it gets interesting after that. Yeah, it, you know, it's it's the right-handed lineup minus uh, two guys. Uh, you know, Hayward and, <coughs> excuse me, uh, Rizzo. And uh, the reality is that uh, they want to hit some balls out of, out of ballpark on Gonzalez. They have uh, eight guys in that lineup. All eight have 10 or more home runs. Hmm. One guy's sitting on the bench with 25. That's a left-handed hitter. So uh, home runs has not really been a problem for them. Um, consistent contact and moving the ball around is what they're looking for. Seven hitter is Albert Almora getting a start in center field, and then David Bodie gets the start at second base. Ian Happ remains a depth piece right now here in big boy time. So, yeah, it, it's interesting. The contact is not there uh, so much at, at seven and eight, but we'll see if they can uh, survive. Yeah, yeah, it, it is interesting. And uh, yesterday they get 12 hits. In three games in St. Louis, they have 15 total, <laughs> right? Three runs, 15 hits. That's, that was, and they won a game. Yeah. They won a game. That's the amazing part of it. But it really is. Such is the National League Central. We talk about uh, the new batting order and what's making it happen and what they hope makes it happen is Jason Hayward at the top. I, you know, it, it's been the right guy for a while here. He personally admitted that it got to him mentally when he's been put there in the past. He puts a little too much pressure on himself. And right here in the midst of his best offensive season as a Cub, I understand why they didn't want to do it. But I sure am glad they have now. He's had a 370 on base percentage since the 19th of May. He started out hot. Remember that? He, was, he had a 438 OBP on May 1st. Then he fell right. off for a couple of weeks and then has been very, very good consistently. Uh, he talked a little bit, Matt, about wanting to um, have the front office and the manager and the coaching staff have patience if they make these moves. But patience is not only about batting number one. The patience is also more importantly to him. Now that Castellanos is there, he's going to have to play more center field. Mm-hmm. So the patience is give me time. And he talked about this uh, uh, yesterday. Give me time to get it together and start developing a field for playing center field, even though he's done it off and on all year. But if you want me there significantly, just give me some time. Don't pull me if all of a sudden I have a gamer. So right, this is this is a guy who's who's handled a lot in his time here and is being asked to handle even more right now in terms of center field and leadoff. And let's listen to Jason Hayward before the game yesterday saying Madden came to him and said, "Are you ready to hit leadoff? I think this is the right thing to do." And among other things, he asked Joe for something. I asked him to be patient with me up there and 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 not to move me out of there if it doesn't go perfect right away. Um, but you know, this was it's an adjustment, and you know, every time is going to be different. Some games are going to have more spots where there's runners on base, like today, which was nice, and then some games it's not. It's going to be about going up there, putting up a good at bat, and you know, obviously trying to get on base, but just go up there and be satisfied with you know, putting up a good at bat and, and grind that out. 
That's, it's really interesting because it gives you a little window on what it's like to hit leadoff, at least for him. When nobody's up there, he wants to go up and make sure he has a long grinding at bat, see a lot of pitches, and kind of wear a guy down. When there's people on base, he wants to go up there and just look to find that one to drive and do his job. Well, th- during the career, if you look at the, the, the walk, strikeout splits, they're, they're pretty even. Uh, he just does He's not a strikeout guy, um, and, and that's – that's been the key. The problem for Jason is he's been a soft contact guy. Mm. Some of the softest contact in, in the league or since he joined the Cubs. So there's never been the swing and miss uh, factor that has gotten him. It's the 4-3 uh, ground out that has taken him away. Now with his very solid approach to the opposite field, him uh, lifting the ball again, looking more like that player that they signed uh, coming away from the Cardinals back in after 2015, uh, and, and a new confidence about him as well. It's, I mean, you, you wouldn't notice if he was doing well or not on a daily basis. Externally, he shows nothing. Work-wise, he doesn't show anything other than the same hard work. Uh, he's a real pro, and, and he's had to deal with an awful lot uh, because of expectations not met mm-hmm. over the first uh, three years or so of that contract. Now... Uh, this is more like the Jason Hayward that was a uh, five-war player that they signed back uh, back in 2015. Yeah, with the base running and the full defensive arsenal. And it, it, it's interesting. He doesn't want to look over his shoulder and see that, all right, now Joe's going to try somebody else because Joe has, you know, obviously cycled through a lot of different guys. Nine different guys have hit leadoff this year. Nine just right. this year alone. And really, since Dexter Fowler left, it's been a steady, a steady carousel right. there. So Jason just wants to know he's going to be given a shot to really make it and, work. And that's interesting in itself because it says, don't drag me down mentally. Mm-hmm. In other words, if I have a bad day, if I have two bad days, if you really want me to do this all year, don't drag me out of there. You know, be patient with me. Otherwise, you're going to change my man- mentality yep. and how I feel about myself because you're not showing confidence in me after you asked me to make this move. Right. It's a good veteran move to say, hey, look, if you're going to do this, okay, then let's do it this yeah, way. Yeah, it's spring training for him as a regular. Now, another day into it, and he's back in right field today. Yeah, well, he, but he knows. He, he spoke to Theo, apparently, at the All-Star break and said, mm-hmm. I'm willing to play more center field. Yeah, if you go out and you get a corner outfield guy and you're going to need me in center that's fine I, I i got that so he and theo had that conversation at the break to be safe if you love baseball talk listen to matt tomorrow at nine o'clock on hit and run your guests uh guests will be jim deshays is coming by in person gonna talk um so that'll be in the 11 o'clock hour danny evans the former white Sox general manager who's been teaching classes and analytics of late uh, I was reading about him as he, uh, he, one of his students over the past, I don't know, past year or so, has been Ozzy Gian, Ozzy's son, who is a manager in the Houston Astros system. So I want to talk to, to Danny about what he teaches guys like that. I know he's taught guys who are now coaches in the major leagues, former players who are interested in getting into management of, of all stripes and kinds. I wonder what those classes are like. Danny was one of the very first analytics guys uh, that the white that had an impact on the game. Uh, Earl Weaver started using uh, little three by five cards with matchups on it back in the seventies, and so did Tony Larusa when he came to the White Sox. And Danny was the guy who supplied him with the information at that point. Hmm. So he was a, a computer information and baseball information expert when a lot of teams didn't have that yet. And eventually climbed up, and 
assistant general manager, general manager in a couple places, and just a terrific guy and a great talker. So I'm, I'm going to look forward to that conversation on your show tomorrow morning. In the meantime, uh, White Sox fans, Cub fans, 312-644-6767, text 6711. And uh, White Sox-wise, um, <laughs> it's, been, it's been difficult since um, the All-Star break for them to score any runs. They're now on a, a run of uh, 5 and uh, 16 after that bizarre and fun 15-inning uh, win yesterday. Mm-hmm. That was some crazy stuff. Uh, that was some absolutely crazy stuff. Now, now, look, they've gotten some nice pitching performances from a few different key guys. Giolito was really good his last time out. Cease was was pretty darn good uh, his last he, time he out. Better, yeah, he was better, yeah. He was better. So that was good to see. But this thing last night, yeah, we, we got to talk about it. Um, and, and let's do so when we come back here on 670, the score. And also a lot of text coming in on Madden and Cubs lineups and some of the tinkering and some other things uh, regarding that. But like Bruce said, phone lines open for you right now. 312-644-6767. Dial it up and talk to us on Inside the Clubhouse. A couple of guests next hour, but this is a good time for you to get in. The bottom of the hour is brought to you by the Chicago Wolves. Your Western Conference champion Chicago Wolves will open the season on Saturday. October 5th. For group and season tickets, visit chicagowolves.com and this weekend, join a birthday bash with the Chicago Dogs baseball team. Get in the game tonight for a fireworks extravaganza with your favorite Chicago mascots and for pregame autographs on Family Sunday. Tickets at thechicagodogs.com. The Chicago Dogs, baseball with everything. Your phone calls, texts, and conversation is next on Inside the Clubhouse on The Score. James into left field. That's a base hit. Now Velasquez has the ball. Abreu's coming home. Velasquez throws him out at the plate in a game that had no more ludicrous left. There's one last piece. The pitcher from left field throws out Abreu. You have to be kidding. That's Jason Benetti on the call last night. Crazy stuff. For the Phillies, who are in contention, and you are Gabe Kapler, the manager of the Phillies, and somehow you end up having to use Vince Velasquez, a pitcher, as your left fielder. And this is not a situation where they're like going back and forth with two different pitchers, as we've seen Joe Madden do in what some called the Travis Wood game. And, and we've, used, we've seen that a bunch of different times, where you see a guy pitch and then go to left field and then come back or whatever. No, 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 no. He's got a position player pitching Roman Quinn through two innings in relief while Vincent Velasquez is playing left field. I know there were reasons that all this happened. You run out of pitchers and you don't want to use anymore because you're in a pennant race. You can't, you're not going to use starting pitchers. That's all you got left. Zach Eflin, who was a starter who had just gone to the bullpen through two innings, uh, two perfect innings, and then apparently told um, Kapler that his triceps was hurting. So he gets on base. He gets on to second base and gets pinched run for by Velasquez. Velasquez was, goes in and plays left. Yeah. Almost had two assists from the outfield. Yeah, that's right. That, that was the one that he made the throw. Let's listen to this real quick, Bruce. This is the game winner in Abreu RBI single with another great throw from Velasquez. Abreu, a laser to left field. Velasquez up with it. Garcia coming home. And he is safe at the plate. That one... <laughs> That one, it's Leury Garcia. It's a real base runner. Velasquez charges, makes a great play, and another unbelievable throw and almost gets him. Steadcast 94.5 miles per hour (laughs) throw. Uh, 
you know, that's uh, it's, it's fascinating end. But, uh, you know, the White Sox are, were out of pitchers, too. They used a, uh, you know, almost record nine pitchers yesterday in that game. Mm. I mean, so, I, I mean, again, is this exciting? Yes. Is it fun? Yes. Is it a good reason why after 10 innings you should have tie games in baseball? You know, or, you know, put that that stupid rule where you put a man on second base after 10. Do something to shorten it. But, I mean, these these things are exciting. It's great. I mean, people talk about it. But I don't think it. I don't think it helps any team. Uh, you know when you have to go through this. Uh, well, no, I, mean, the, I suppose Phillies, not. But Phillies are in a pennant race, yeah, right? Yeah, I, I know. And but they have to. They have to end that game with a position player throwing two innings of consequence. You're not in a blowout. Right. You're not in mop right. up. You got to use a guy in a game that matters like that. No, so I, I mean, there there should be a, a better way to handle those situations. They had um, another pitcher who was in the bullpen, Ranger Suarez, new guy in the bullpen. But he couldn't get loose. For some reason, he could not get loose. So he told Kapler he couldn't go. He's been sitting around for six hours. <laughs> so, so what? I would rather have a non-loose what do you look for this guy. I, I would rather have a non-loose Ranger Suarez it's, than my left fielder Roman Quinn up there for two innings. Okay. Wouldn't you? I hope you're not making any of these names up. One one more thing on Velasquez. I'm not actually. I looked him up to be safe. One more thing on Velasquez. He made a catch. He made a diving catch also yes, in the fifteenth. That catch, according to StatCast, had a 15% catch probability. They call that a five-star catch. That's the first five-star catch of the entire Phillies season. 15% catch probability for an outfielder, <laughs> not a pitcher. Let, okay. I mean, that's it's just insane. Okay. I don't know how Gabe Kapler StatCast has to come up with some of these range factors for, for a pitcher. pitchers. Yeah, that's right. Oh, because that would be even lower. That's for sure. It's inside the clubhouse on 670, the score. Let's go to the phone lines. This is Mike in Frankfurt. Mike, you're on the score. What's happening? Yeah, good morning, fellows. And Bruce, thank you very much for your insights. Um, I'm scared to death of the Sox are rushing Madrigal and uh, Robert. I don't care about Zach Collins, but, you know, we see Eloy, who is an extraordinarily unfinished player in left field. Uh, what is your view on how the Sox are handling these kids in the progression through the minor leagues? Is this necessary? Matt, go ahead and jump in. I'll follow up. Well, in, in terms of how they're handling the progression as they go step by yeah, step you know, by words, step. Are they, move, are they moving him too quickly? You know, that's that's the fear here that, uh, you know, there's a, there's a rush to get Madrigal and Robert there, so they're all a part of it opening day 2020 lineup? I don't think so. I think a lot of times these days in baseball, your best opportunity is to maximize the value of these young guys at the big league level and have them all learn together. Have the core all be here right. together and, and learn together. I, I agree with that. My, my, my only problem is when you, when you bring up a Zach Collins who was hitting 250, okay? Uh, I, I don't think that's, that's a guy that dominated at the minor league level. I think you want to see... And he's back there, and he's working on you know some of his skills. He comes up, and he's two for twenty six or whatever, and sits for a while. I think yeah. that one that one yeah, stands I out mean, to me as an anomaly. I mean, if he's ready or not, you should have a better handle on. He's ready to play. We have plenty. You know, we released the guy we signed in the off season, so we have more at bats at DH and at first base with Abreu sharing it. You know, is Colin if he's not a catcher? Put him at DH. Put him at first base. Yeah. So, so you know, again, uh, I'm I'm helping them manage this. I'm sure they don't like it very much, but uh, I just don't want to. I mean, Madrigal and um, and Robert will tell you 
uh, as Rick Hahn always says, when they're ready to move up. Because if they dominate and they play at a high level as they uh, continue up in their farm system, they belong there, and eventually they belong in the major leagues. I agree with you on Collins. I thought that was a really weird cup of coffee that he came up and got and then sat on the bench for a long time. There was benefit to him sitting next to James McCann and learning some stuff, but... Uh, but that was weird, and then he gets sent back down. Look, so. he, he's a, is he a catcher or not? Just let us know, okay? Mm-hmm. You tell Collins, you know what? We don't think you're a catcher. That You might be our backup catcher, third catcher, but uh, we're, you're going to be a first baseman, DH. You're a number one pick. You have a great eye at the plate. You take a lot of walks. Now let's uh, concentrate full-time on uh, your hitting, on your ability to get on base, which is your strength. When Madrigal and Robert get here, and they may not get here at the same time, of course, and, uh, you know, they're going to play, and they should play. When, when Robert gets here, he should play every day in center field, and Eloy should be next Without to him every day, in, every day and left. They will. I mean, they're not here to be bench players. They're not be here to be nursed along. When they, they come here, you know, um, Rick and Kenny and Mr. Reinsdorf expect that lineup to be, you know, a lineup that has not only good players, but potential five, four or five star players mm-hmm. in that lineup. Something that you're looking at right now with, you know, the Bryant, Rizzo, Contreras, Baez, you know, that, uh, that type of ability to dominate other teams and to have other players that you build around in a rotation, hopefully that can support all that. I continue to hope uh, that Luis Robert gets here in September. I think it makes a lot of sense. And I, I, I do you, at this point, do you have any other clarity on whether they're going to play the service time game with these no, guys? I, I, if, I, if I'm them, I, I play the service time game okay. because I don't see any rush. You know, I see you as a fan and you as a media person saying, you know, it's good to get him, get them up here and get them some experience. I agree with that. I don't disagree with that. What I what I would disagree with is I'm told there's two or three areas that he's still learning. Um, being able to play the outfield properly, hit the cutoff man, mm-hmm. uh, also uh, just still assimilating to the United States, you know. So all those things go into the player development. Some of them are external, some of them are internal. We don't get to see them all, but the White Sox have a better handle on when they're ready to come up as a person and as a player, especially when you're talking about a foreign player. If you didn't hear uh, Mark Redzelanik on this show last week, then you missed hearing some of the specifics about Robert and also some of the way that the system works, that they have their database, that everybody plugs into their, their system, the same stuff. So when Grudzalonic is handed a player from Omar Vizquel, they'll have a phone call, but really everything is already there right. in the system for them to and know. It's so essential for, a, a re, uh, for any organization, really, but... For a rebuild uh, and an organization that's doing it for the first time, mm-hmm. that communication, that synergy, synergy between all of those people, so essential. And I think they have a real good handle on it. I think they're doing a good job. But, again, um, not all these guys are going to be stars, you know. Some of them are going to fail. And, uh, you know, again, uh, some are going to go up and down like we've seen Jimenez come back from two injuries and, hit the reset button a couple times and not being able to hit a little bit up until his last couple of games now he's starting to hit. But, um, you know, looking like he hadn't played for a long time and knowing that the skill set is, you know, when the hit, when the, when the hit skill is not working, Matt, mm-hmm. he looks like a player that 
doesn't bring much to the party. The new MLB pipeline rankings came out yesterday with the top 30 prospects in every system, post-deadline and post-draft, and a new top 100. And it was very complimentary of the White Sox on a lot of levels, the second-ranked system. But there was one nugget in there that, that gave me pause, and it ties into what you're saying, is that it's very top-heavy, the system. Like, they've got re- a bunch of real sure. good, interesting prospects at the top of their list, but then after five or six, it drops off dramatically. So your point about how not everybody's going to be a star, if some of those top guys are misses, there could be trouble. Yeah, just like picking up Reed, putting him at first base, uh, you know, having a bad games, you know, sending him back to the minor leagues. Mm-hmm. That, that's a, a big part of any rebuild. We saw with the Cubs, you know, guys that come and go, and all of a sudden they're a footnote in the history. You remember, you know, blank Cody Rasmus and guys like that that came around, and it was just like, you know, yeah. what's this guy doing here? You our, know? our guy uh, James Fox on Twitter um, showing me on the Twitters that since going back down to Charlotte, Zach Collins has an OPS well over one. He's got a 170 weighted runs created plus. That's the, great. The K rate is down. The walk rate is as high as it always is. Good. So Bring him back and put him at first or DH. Play him. Yeah. And, and if he's not a catcher, scream it. You know, hey, more importantly, tell the kid, mm-hmm. okay? You're a hitter. We believe in you. This is your position. You're a DH and a first baseman. Let's get to Ron on the south side on 670 to score. Good morning, Ron. Hey, good morning, guys. You know, the thing that you all are talking about, um, you know, with him and there struggling um, with Robert, when he does come up, you know, learning the game. Guys, it, it, it really makes me kind of disagree with uh, Rick Hahn the other day when he said he didn't make any trade because he feels there's some of these players on the team will be contributing when the White Sox contend. Guys, I, I, I don't see this team contending next year unless they go out and get a, uh, a good uh, free agent start pitcher. You're still going to need a right fielder. It's, to me, it's just still some question. I just don't share the optimism. Um, and, and maybe I know it's probably I'm feeling this way because of the real poor baseball they've been playing. I know we were a little optimistic leading up to the All-Star. Yeah, it's but been brutal. I think there's a lot of questions, guys. That, that's, that's it. All right, Ryan. Thank you. You know, Matt. You know, it's just you know they're five and twenty-one since the All Star break. I mean that it, they they've had some well pitched games. They have not been able to score any runs. Okay, mm. part of that was Jimenez injury coming back. Part of it is Anderson and coming back from that. Now you lose Mancada for a couple weeks at least, probably a little bit longer. So uh, you know the guys who were having impact on wins. That's the real good news for the White Sox and their fans. They were the young guys that were brought up. They were having impact. Abreu uh, went into this horrendous slump over the last uh, month where he hasn't hit a thing, you know, starting to come back a little bit the last couple of games. But he was in a, a three for 35 at some point. So, again, it's, it's uh, sporadic, it's erratic, and it's kind of hard to watch. Well, and you're going to have to have a very, very aggressive offseason, and I think they will. I think they're a little embarrassed about how the big picture uh, went in terms of free agency last year, and they also know it's time. 670, the score is where you are. It's inside the clubhouse. Going to talk to Ian Happ when we come back and Tom Hodricourt of the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel. He's Bruce Levine. I'm Matt Spiegel. Keep it right here on The Score. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours 
and great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.